Welcome in to No Punt Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host, Joe Zolo. It is officially the end of the 2020 NFL season. As you may notice, I am in a new background for what seems like the third time in a, in a full month. Uh, settled in the new apartment. This will look way better sooner rather than later. Uh, Going to be hanging up a lot of stuff to make this look cool for all you people watching. Joining me as always, Joshua Hudson and Ryan Weiss. No guests this week. Um, had a couple complications, but we are back. We are here for the next four weeks. We have a loaded lineup of guests, so be sure to stay tuned because we'll be telling you who those will be very, very soon. Um, but today, going to recap the Super Bowl, obviously the biggest game in sports every single year, as well as looking towards free agency, mostly focusing on the coaches and how some of these players in free agency may react and maybe want to flock towards a guy like Robert Sala or a guy um, – Who's the coach of the Chargers now? Brandon something. Staley. Staley. Brandon Staley. Thank you. Um, so, you know, guys might want to flock there, as well as discussing how guys on those current teams are actually going to react to those new head coaches and how that may work for the better or for the worse in some of these cases. But starting off here with obviously the biggest game of the year in the 2020 or 2021, I guess, Super Bowl game where. I wonder who said Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to have a good game and throw two interceptions. It's weird because two other people on the show said, you're a fucking moron. How has he looked this entire playoffs? Huh? I still, I still stand by you being a moron, but <laughs> I mean, that's you, can, you can stand by that. But, and look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I, I guessed that Mahomes wouldn't throw a touchdown. I had him for two touchdowns, two picks in a relatively mediocre game. Wow. Was this bad? I still just don't think we're dealing with Peyton Manning in the playoffs bad. I just, the circumstances were stacked against him. Sure. Well, and here's the yeah, thing too. They have like four starting offensive linemen out. And I mean, I brought that up last week that, you know, yeah. losing Eric Fisher was going to be big for them. And, and wow, and, that was big. And nobody could catch. Where did that yeah, come from? So many, like yeah. that one, that one pass where he's literally just like floating horizontally and like he got it off and it was a perfect spiral. That hit Darrell Williams right in his. I that head. was the most one of the best throws I think I've ever wow. seen in the NFL. But I don't want to take I don't want to take anything away from Joe's prediction because you did call it. You you knew what was going to happen and you said it was going to be because of the Tampa Bay defense. And I'm not going to make excuses. Kansas City. I don't even want to say they lost that game. And please miss me with the refs cost them that game. Tom Brady handled his business. That yes. was ridiculous. That was a clinic, and and that's what. Pa this might have been actually the best thing to happen to Patrick Mahomes because to see what someone like Tom Brady did in the playoffs to what is a great team is going to hopefully inspire him to grow to be greater because he has so many years left. So, To and your point, Ryan, about the refs, I'm not going to sit here and say that the refs cost Kansas City that game, but when you look at some of those calls in the first half and how they weren't calling very similar situations in the second half, those types of egregious calls in the first half, they changed the mentality of the defense throughout the rest of that game. And that really does affect how you ultimately play. So while sure. it may not have directly cost them, it indirectly influenced the game. Yeah. When when you lose 31 to 9, the the refs shouldn't even be in the fucking conversation. I mean, I'm like, sure we all saw the tweets, but being from Northeast Ohio, 
uh, the Cleveland Browns would like to talk to the Chiefs about refs costing games right yeah. now. <laughs> and it's like, it's like that one, the Browns have a legitimate argument because one, it was unbelievably egregious, that miss. And two, they lost by a score. Kansas City lost by 22 points. They needed three touchdowns, three successful onside kicks, two extra points and a two-point conversion just to tie the game. Like, it, it wasn't remotely close at all. There was a crazy stat that I heard. Patrick Mahomes scrambled for over 400 yards in that game. That's absurd. Yeah, um, pushing 500, actually. Like, he covered, yeah. like, 497 yards while scrambling yeah. away from pressure. Crazy. Unreal. Ut- utterly crazy. Um, but here's so here's a few things. There, there were very, very bad calls by the refs in that game, ones that they missed and ones that they 100% should not have called. Regardless, it wouldn't have helped the Chiefs. I'm sorry, it wouldn't help the Chiefs. There were two boneheaded penalties, Matt, um, Matthew and Chris Jones just doing dumb shit. And you know that Tom Brady told Ryan Jensen, push Chris Jones a little bit after the after the play, he's going to get heated and throw a punch at you. Because he told David Andrews the exact same thing when he played on New England, and you saw that. Brady had a huge smirk on his face. Chris Jones is a moron. He's the best player on that defense. And he was a dumbass and cost his team that drive because ultimately Tampa scored on that drive. It's just, it blows my mind. The coaching, I, 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 I understand. Andy Reid's going to go down as one of the best coaches. His team, wildly unprepared for that game. Wildly really unprepared would. for that game. See, I, I don't, it's so un- uncharacteristic for an Andy Reid team to not be prepared. And I think that's where the offensive line comes in to where, how do you Definitely. prepare for having Swiss cheese in front of you? Like, so, it's just ridiculous. So sure, it, from, from that point, I'm more so talking the defense couldn't stop anything. Steve Spagnola yeah, yeah. is also to blame, but also the discipline for your team in that big of a game. You just like boneheaded penalties. Like, yes, yep. some of the PIs were, were, you know, bad calls. But there was just some boneheaded penalties where you sat there and said, that's all on coaching. Boneheaded penalties are Very all true. coaching. So, you know, and that's that comes down on Andy Reid. Yep. And it, 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 the Chiefs are not in trouble. And that's a question I wanted to bring up is we've yeah, obviously might come seen, up later in the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've obviously seen teams have a Super Bowl hangover where, you know, the, the losing team, I mean, the Falcons are the epitome of the Super Bowl hangover yeah, at this point. It's still they, going on. Yeah. <laughs> They can't get out of their rut. I'm not talking like a, a Falcons, and we know that the Chiefs will probably be back in the playoffs next year, but they're not going to go 15-1 and one again. Where do you guys kind of see this team landing next year? Do they have, like, a fall-off, or do you see them back at, like, 14-2, and two, no problem next season? Yeah. I... Go ahead, Josh. Uh, you started talking, so I was going to defer okay. to you. But <laughs> I mean, look at the AFC West, right? Who's really going to compete with them right now? Uh, the, I mean, uh, if well, hold on, if if Brandon Staley, who we'll talk about in a little bit, can get a hold of that defense, Chargers aren't healthy. They are never healthy Josh, ever. Josh, Josh, if Keenan Allen is out there, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. I do think the Chargers could be good, but I just I, I think the Chiefs win their division easily. I think they probably win the conference easily. So. I I don't think there's any doubt the Chiefs the Chiefs may win the division at eleven and five. Like I don't I don't think there's a I don't think there's even a yeah, chance. I mean, right now, for me, win. the biggest competition that they have in the AFC is Buffalo. 
Oh, oh God. And that's not even competition. I, and, yeah. I mean, well, and, and you can say that as, as a Patriots fan, that's always going to look down on Buffalo. That's fine. Josh Allen took a huge leap this year. A that's giant leap. Still good. Yeah. Okay. Their, their defense is still good. It's, I think it's more overrated than anything, but they have a good sturdy defense. They need to make some improvements. They have to learn how to stop the run, which I don't understand. You know, you spend a top 10 pick on a defensive tackle, maybe get a guy that can stop the run. Just throwing that out there at Oliver. Um, But Tredavious white is a lockdown corner. They need some improvements on the back end there. They've got some, I, I think they have solid safeties, but they don't have a world beater. They don't have somebody that is super talented on that back end, like a Tyron Matthew, like a Jamal Adams, some of these guys that are in the upper echelon there. I I would beg to differ. I put Jordan Poyer in the top five for for safeties in the league. I disagree wholeheartedly. Okay, well, you can go suck one, but Jordan Poyer is is a top five safety in the league, (laughs) and Micah Hyde is just old. Micah Hyde was great in his prime, but he's just old at this point. So I'll agree with you on Micah Hyde has fallen off a cliff because he used to be great when he was younger, but now he's And Johnson sucks. They need somebody that can cover the slot. Uh, I mean, that they're really every corner not, in the NFL sucks. Yeah, every corner. Well, we know this. <laughs> but what a le- legitimately though, like we had the the best the best uh, slot corner in the NFL two years ago, Desmond King. What the fuck's he doing now? He's terrible. Yeah, and, he like, was traded midseason to Tennessee, and he really did nothing. Didn't, he did nothing. And, either, and so, so it's yeah. like, I mean, either you you look at slot corners. I, can you even name me? a solid slot corner in the NFL right now. Like I, I can't think of one off the top of my head where I'm like, okay, you know, he shut down a few guys. Like you can, they think just of need to move Chris Harris back to the slot. He was so much better covering the slot than he was. Um, on now, the he wasn't, he wasn't good during the season, but does Roby Coleman Coleman play the slot? Cause he was great in the playoffs. Roby Coleman. Yeah. He's with Philly. Yeah, he plays oh, he's on a run, one year deal there, but yeah, he's better in the slot. Yeah, he's um, definitely better in the slot. I agree. But it, but yeah, yeah, getting off topic here, the, the question at hand was, does, does Kansas City regress at all? And I think they do. I think they drop to somewhere around 12 and 4, 11 and 5. D- listen, 15 and 1 is just is utterly absurd. But you, no, you and we you, talked about it previously. This year was all about continuity. Yep. Right. Yeah. It was Seems who, you know, you had the best chance to go forward when you didn't have a whole bunch of new faces to bring into the fold. It took Tampa a while to get going. And then they added AB after week nine, and they really didn't start cooking until week 13. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown never actually got off the ground until, I mean, the, I mean, yeah, I guess the play, but I mean, if you want to count the Super Bowl because he caught a touchdown, uh, but he never really had a solid game outside of week 17. Because he wasn't they, the number one option. Well, he wasn't the number one option, but also week 17, you know, people say, well, he had 100 yards. They fed him the ball. Cause he, if he hit 50 receptions or whatever, yeah. yeah, he got a, he got a bonus. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, the, the only, the only new face on Kansas city was Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell. Like those are the only two new, fa- and and Le- Le- I don't believe played a single snap in the super bowl. Yeah. No, I, Bell, Bell was I, non-existent. I think they grabbed Bell to make sure someone else didn't get him. It, like it, it really truly feel that feels that way. Yeah. It I, really does. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's, it cost them next to nothing to do it. So yeah, it's it was like, a voice you know, like, in the locker room for a young player. I mean, they basically did the same thing last year with Shady, bringing him in. Shady didn't play a single snap in the Super Bowl last year. Didn't play a single snap or this year. This year, yeah. and has two championships. <laughs> two championships. So, how about how about Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette? Those guys looked really we'll good. We'll talk about Leonard Fournette a little bit later, but that boy's getting 
paid this yeah i am i i hesitantly took him in a startup dynasty league as my third running back and i am very excited moving forward if he continues that but uh there's no there's will forever and never be a debate it's it's set in stone tom brady's the best quarterback to ever play the game that's i'm sorry this Brady (laughs) is better than every single nfl franchise yes that's stupid (laughs) it's just stupid it's stupid he has more super bowl rings than any it's just oh it's utterly ridiculous but i mean hey I'm happy. Congratulations to him. We, my dad, my brother, and I were utterly ecstatic every time, um, you know, the the Bucks scored a touchdown. Um, it did hurt the Brady to Gronkowski connection twice seeing that. <laughs> but um, obviously, I we we said it on our prop bet show. Whoever, whatever team won the quarterback was getting MVP. Brady got MVP. He has five Super Bowl MVPs. Um, you could have made the argument for Fournette in this game too. Well, well, my dad was saying if Gronk caught a third touchdown, he was saying, has there been anybody that has scored three touchdowns in a Super Bowl, let alone a tight end that has scored three touchdowns? Obviously, no tight end has ever done that. Yeah. Well, and he sat there and said that could be something where if Gronk scores his third, he might have he might have gotten. It. And I'm like, yeah, but who's throwing him the football? They're going to give Brady MVP. It doesn't like Damian co MVPs. I know they've done that before, if I'm not mistaken. You're going to give Tom Brady a co-MVP. Malcolm Butler won them the game against the Seahawks, and they said, oh, here you go, Brady. Like, and Brady even knew. He freaking gave the car to Butler. Like, you're, you're the real I – mean, again, Brady didn't need the damn car, but he gave the car I mean, to If you Butler. really want to talk about the real MVP in this game, that's Todd Bowles. That dude called the game yes. of his life. And hold on. You want to know what they say? You want to know how many times the Bucks blitzed them? Four. Yeah. Wow. Not Four a lot times. At all. They what? just got so much pressure. Well, yeah, you what? have such a dominant front, front seven. Yeah. And you can play any of them on the line like we talked about. Not even front seven, front four. Well, what I'm saying, though, is where you can move White and Barrett down to the line to just putting them there with Sue and Via. But but the other thing, too, is, and we've said, and obviously the Bucks had the personnel to do it, and we said this in the Super Bowl show. How do you beat Kansas City? You rush four or three, and you drop seven or eight. And yep. what, what happened? They played high-low on Tyree Kill, like I said. Tyree Kill was shut out. When Levante David was man to man on Travis Kelsey, he shut him down for the most part. I was yeah, very just, that. I knew David wouldn't be able to keep up with him the whole game, which is why you saw Kelsey's numbers inflate towards the end because one they had to throw. Yeah, and David's not going to be able to do that for enough. Well, but game. I, like yeah. for most of the game, Kelsey he wasn't getting a ton of yards after the catch. It no. was it, everything David was contested. Was right on him. David was right on him. Yeah, he was and right I, on him the entire time. Which, by ha- the way, I'm not big on IDP guys, but Levante David has got to be one of the most, if not the most underrated defensive player in the NFL. He is the most underrated defensive player in the NFL. And I don't I, think I, particularly close, to be honest with you. I, I was just about to say, I am uh, one of the guys I'm happiest for is Levante David because ever since he's come in the league, he has I was going to say, top- I remember the year that he came out with Miles Jack and everybody was like, oh, these are two top no, 10 no, no. backers. No, no, no. Both of them fell to the second round. No, no, no. Levante David's older than Miles Jack. He's been No, in the they league. came out the exact same year, dude. Look it up. What they year did Miles Jack came out? Year. Miles oh. Jack and Levante David were drafted in the same draft class. And nice. both of them were talked about as top five, top ten picks because they were fast, rangy linebackers. And not a single one of them went in the first round. Now you're seeing the complete opposite. These fast, sideline-to-sideline linebackers, a la Devin White, are going early in drafts. Yeah, De- Devin White is just... 
Devin White's absurd. Yeah, Levante David was Devin White before Devin White came into the league. Levante, <laughs> Levante David came out four years before Miles Jack. Yeah. No, yeah. he didn't. Yes, he did, Josh. We, he's been in the league forever. He's in his 30s. So I said, I was super excited for Levante David because he deserves it. He's been a top 10 middle linebacker ever since he's been in the league. Yeah. Uh, Levante David was almost the last pick of the second round in 2012. Thank you. Miles Jack was 2016. Yeah, stupid. Oh, there Jack, was another linebacker Josh, I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'll, I'll look Josh, it up. There's, you guys keep talking. Josh, there's, a, there's a reason you don't you don't play IDP. There's a reason. Um, but there, there's a well, all, the takeaways from the Super Bowl, Kansas City is going to be fine. Tom Brady will never be dethroned as the greatest of all time. Mahomes would have to win 10 Super Bowls for that to happen. Um, he'll never be he'll never be dethroned, and Tampa's still in a prime spot to win next year because their defense isn't going anywhere. All right. Into the new coaching hires now. I'm gonna run through all these, and of course, we can break it down how they'll help or hurt fantasy players. Starting here with uh Robert Sala, former 49ers defensive coordinator. He's going to the New York Jets. Arthur Smith, former Titans offensive coordinator, going to be the head coach of the Falcons. Brandon Staley, going to be the uh, head coach of the Chargers, former Rams defensive coordinator. He's not moving too far. Urban Meyer, the former Ohio State University head coach, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dan Campbell, former Saints assistant to the Detroit Lions. Nick Sarani, the Colts offensive coordinator, will now head up the duties in Philadelphia. And David Culley, the former Ravens wide receiver coach, heading to the Houston Texans, that mess of a franchise. Let's start probably with the biggest name. Actually, hold on. I want to throw out the linebacker thing because, Josh, I, I think I, I know. Jalen Smith, that's what it was. Oh, I thought you were going to. Oh, that's with. Uh, yeah, Miles that's Jack. what it was. I was thinking of. of Listen uh, to the Jaylen linebackers Smith. from 2012. Is Keekley in that class? Luke Keekley. Yeah. Dante Hightower. Michael Kendricks. Bobby Wagner. Levante yep. David. Olivier Vernon. Demario Davis. Hey, uh, hold on. You, you want I'll throw someone in there? Chandler Jones was in that draft too. He, but he won't be listed there. No, he's. I think he's listed as a D oh, lineman on this. Yeah, that's why. Tahir Whitehead, Danny Trevathan. <laughs> I mean, oh, this is insane. That's a solid class. That's a solid class. Yeah. For <laughs> it's a good right, linebacker. Let's class. get to the coaches. Yeah. All right, so let's go to Robert Sala. He's probably he's he's a guy that a lot of people. Um, looked at and said, you know, he, he was probably 1A on most people's lists to be a head coach. Goes to the Jets. Adam Gay's finally gone. Let's just play with the with the pieces they currently have. We're not assuming Deshaun Watson is going to be a New York Jet. We're going to assume that Sam Darnold is coming back. Sam Darnold's going to be your quarterback for the 2021 season if you're a New York Jets fan. So you look at that. Rashad Perryman still isn't on a contract. They are losing a lot of players. Um, their running back situation isn't great. Their O-line situation is decent. Their defense, I mean, it's a mess of a franchise. Is there anybody, let's say Brashad Perriman comes back, is there anybody on this team you're looking at in fantasy football, Ryan? Absolutely. Give me every bit of Jamison Crowder and an offense that tends to throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, which is where Crowder just excels. Um, cause I think this is going to be very similar to the San Francisco offense. I think the run pass numbers are basically going to be exactly what we saw from an Adam Gaze offense, but I think they're going to be more efficient with these short passing routes and Crowder is just going to feast. I think you could be looking at another potential, like 
think about how good Crowder was at the beginning of the season. I don't see him taking a step back from that. So I think he's going to be sitting at 120 targets easy, probably more than that. I'm very excited to own Jamison so, Crowder next season. So quickly before Josh, you go and I'll get your thoughts on this question off the back of that. How does that hurt Denzel Mims if Ryan believes that they're going to be a lot of, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, run more of a San Francisco style offense? Josh, how does that kind of hurt Denzel Mims? Or are you thinking the opposite? I don't think it hurts Mims at all. And and I'm actually the complete opposite on Ryan. I don't even expect Jamison Crowder to be a Jet next year. Uh, they have roughly $68 million in cap space. Cutting Jamison Crowder frees up another 10 they're going to bring in weapons this year. They have a coach that I think a lot of the uh, players in the NFL like and that will want to play with. If they end up moving off of Sam Darnold and taking a quarterback a la Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, whoever that's going to be at, at two, I think you want to give him safety helps. And if you have the chance to bring in someone like Juju over Jamison Crowder, I think you do that, even if they're roughly making the same amount of money. Um, but for Mims, uh, he could easily play that Brandon Ayuk role. And we saw Brandon Ayuk really pop this year when they didn't have a tight end to throw to. And as much as I love Chris Herndon, they don't have a tight end to throw to in New York for the Jets. So I don't think the tight end is going to be a position that LaFleur works as much into his offense um, as we've seen with some of, you know, like with Matt and Tunyon and, and even Shanahan with Kittle. Um I I personally would much rather buy Mims uh, in redraft at a cheaper price than Crowder, personally. But, you know, to each their own, really. And something just to throw out there. We're going to talk receivers in one, two, three weeks with Eric Moody of The Atlantic. Um, he's going to come on, join the show to preview the wide receiver free agencies. Um, but one guy, I mean, just... Again, go, going off of uh, Ryan's theory, if they're going to run more of that behind the line of scrimmage, you know, the, the San Francisco style offense, I if they sign Curtis Samuel, he may be a, a high end wide receiver too at that point. If you want to talk about a guy that's probably going to excel in behind the line of scrimmage, uh, the, the dude's a, a lightning bolt. Yeah, and I think that's really um, what quick you and want these guys that, you know, they're these sort of like quick twitch athletes, so to speak, right? Yeah. And you're going to have some of them in this draft class, and the Jets have two first-round picks. They've got a bevy of picks throughout the entire draft. This is what yep. Joe Douglas has done. He's really stripped down this team because they need to improve. They have holes everywhere. They have one solid line piece in Mekhi Becton, and outside of that, there ain't much on offense. P. Ryan was a dart throw at running back. He was hurt most of this year. Obviously, they moved on from Bell. So P. Ryan might get first crack, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they either sign a running back to a cheap one-year deal, and I'm looking at Kenyon Drake in terms of that, because that feels like a Joe Douglas-type move. Instead of spending a first or second round pick on a running back, he's the type of guy that would take somebody in the third or fourth round like he did last year with P. Ryan and then see how they fit into the rotation. But if you can bring in an established veteran on a you know, a one-year deal for say five million, kind of similar to what Miami did last year with Jordan Howard. And if your rookies beat him out, they beat him out. So be it. And it's not wasted money because you have at least a voice in the locker room. I think Kenyon Drake can be that because he didn't do anything this year in Arizona to really earn a long-term contract. As much as Josh, I like Kenyon Drake. Josh, you have the demon. Uh, unplug, replug. Um, for for those for those new, uh, Josh's demon pops up now and again. Yeah. Um, he inherited it from uh, stepmom Lauren. 
So if and it's you, usually if you, when he decides to down talk Jameson Crowder, which is just a ridiculous. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, the Jets, they're top three in cap space. Um, with yep. Salah, I mean, if they're if they're pursuing and they want to go out and get Deshaun Watson, they have the money to give him weapons. They 100% have the money to do that. And and that's something I was going to bring up later on is if you're getting Deshaun Watson, why do you not bring Will Fuller? Will Fuller. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you put no him brainer. on the outside, Denzel Mims on the other. You've got speed. Mims has size and speed. You're giving him the options that he needs. I mean, this is what he had in, in Houston last year with speed on the yeah. outside with Cooks and Fuller, and the offense worked great. They just they couldn't stop anybody on defense. Salah's not going to have that problem. San Francisco had a huge amount of injuries last year, and they still had a top five total defense last year. And you have Jamison Crowder in the slot. <laughs> <laughs> or or white chocolate Braxton Berrios also backing up. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they and he's they, a lot cheaper than Crowder. So he's a lot cheaper. <laughs> they they have the money to get it done. They definitely have the money to get it done uh, from another team. We're from one team in the top three in salary cap to another team with the top three in salary cap. The Jaguars have hired Urban Meyer, who's been out of coaching for, I believe, two years, three years yeah. since his last stint with Ohio State. Um, I mean, there I, there were a lot of bad head coaching signings, in my opinion. The only the only two I really like are Salah and Brandon Staley. But Urban Meyer just... Unsurprising I, that you like the defensive head coach hires. Well, I'll I'll quickly explain to you. Arthur Smith, he just seems so vanilla to me. Um, I'll tell you Urban Meyer in a second. Dan Campbell is is a rah rah guy. He he looks like he has zero plan. Um, Nick Nick Serrani, what? Like, huh? come on now. And David Cully, we all know yeah. that the Texans just hired. Oh, I, the first I will get onto that one here shortly. Yeah, we, I we don't all think know a lot of people are going to like my opinion on that one. Yeah, we we all know the Texans just hired the first the first guy that would that would take the job. Uh, but Urban Meyer, the dude has never had to build an actual football team. He's been handed the best recruits in the country every single year. Like he, recruiting is way easier than working with a salary cap and actually building an NFL team. And there was a joke going around. If you don't like us at one and fifteen, don't love us when you're when we're four and twelve. That's and right. I, and I think that's perfect because Urban Meyer. I'm sorry, he's not going to turn this franchise around. I would be genuinely shocked if he does. Um, it, go ahead, Ryan. It just it's a lot more than just Urban Meyer though. That it's going to look like an entirely new team than what we've seen out of them, because you're also starting with Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence does have the kind of talent that he could come in and turn a team around. Lawrence might make, I don't disagree with you. I don't know that Urban Meyer belongs in the NFL, but Lawrence might be the kind of guy who's going to make Urban Meyer look better than he actually is. Tim Tebow did. Yeah. I mean, I personally don't think Urban Meyer is all that great of a head coach. I, I think he's, his offenses have always been very gadget esque. They're tailor made for college. That type of shit's not going to work in the NFL. Yep. And, you know, they're bringing in Darren, uh, Daryl Bevel. He, there's going to be their offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. He spent the last two years in Detroit. He was with uh, yeah. Seattle for six years as well. They don't pass the football. They run it. That's it. And you bring in someone like Trevor Lawrence, you need to learn how to throw the football. And I believe their passing game coordinator is Brian Schottenheimer, which I think is pretty comical considering that 
you know, they wouldn't let Russ cook in Seattle for the last eight weeks of the season. But, you know, it, they they have the offensive pieces. Like, they have some good skill players there. You've got DJ Shark. You've got uh, LaVisca Chenault. You know, Chris Conley is okay. He's a, a solid depth piece. Colin Johnson's a, a decent-looking rookie who's tall, can kind of get up for those jump balls. Um, James Robinson we know of. Cam Robinson, their left tackle, is a free agent. It's gonna. I'm curious to see if they bring him back because I know he's suffered some injuries over the last couple of years. Hasn't really been that reliable. But they have the foundations there on offense where if you put in a good quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, that who if he's able to come in and kind of be what Joe Burrow was for Cincy or Herbert for the Chargers, he could make some waves and they can compete in this division because we know Houston's not competing. Indy's got a they've got a good team. They're going to need a quarterback. Yep. Now does Ryan Tannehill potentially fall off with a new OC? So I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to throw this out there and cause I it, interdivision trades tend to never happen. Yeah. Very rarely. Very rarely, especially big interdivision trades. And you know where I'm going with this. If you're the Houston Texans, would you entertain an offer Deshaun Watson, Miles Jack, I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson for the first overall pick, the uh, Jacksonville's first rounder next year, two second round picks in 2021 and our pick in 2020 and pick in 2022. Um, and Miles Jack, you're sitting there, you know, you're taking Trevor Lawrence at one. So it's technically a quarterback for quarterback trade. So you, you know, you're doing that. You get three picks on top of it. Well, technically four picks, but three picks on top of it outside of Trevor Lawrence. And then you get that young defensive guy that you want. And I, Jacksonville doesn't really have anybody in the secondary, maybe CJ Henderson um, that, you know, Maybe yeah, just took him. <laughs> yeah, I, I know they just took him. But again, uh, would you trade CJ Anderson for Deshaun Watson? A, a thousand times over. Um, so I, I'm just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But if, but if, if Houston wanted to, they could go and get Trevor Lawrence. Well, so easily, I want to, I want to hear Josh's take on this. Cause I'm interested. I think that Jacksonville would be very dumb to entertain that offer. And the biggest reason why for me is if you swing this deal for Watson, you're giving up all those assets that you need to rebuild that defense. Yep. And now Watson is basically right back to where he was with Houston. He's a yep. five and 11 team because they can't stop anybody on defense. Yep. That was actually my take as well. I thought we were taking it from the side of Houston if I'm Houston, I damn near with the way Deshaun Watson's acting right now would do this straight up for Trevor Lawrence. That's not what you want to do. <laughs> but if you're throwing in all of that other shit, I couldn't accept fast enough. I'd be like, yep, get him out of here. He doesn't want to be here. Well, I mean, we already screwed up with him. And it's like, the classic, I, you know, dynasty trade, right? Like if you're a rebuilding team, you have these great assets. You, you need to, you know, you want to look to trade them to rebuild, right? Like you need additional pieces, not a one for one type deal. Both but, of these but, teams are rebuilding. They both suck. Yeah. But but like, Josh, you've you've you you've lost all privileges to extras thrown in with Deshaun Watson. Well, that's because what I'm at, you were this, giving so much. I was like, good lord, yes, I'll accept that immediately. <laughs> and listen, listen, with with the Matt Stafford trade, and we'll get to that when we talk Brandon Staley. 
I mean, the price for Deshaun Watson should be seven first round picks at the, at this point. Oh, absolutely. It should be. And, but, but the thing is Matt Stafford wasn't disgruntled in Detroit. He just knew his time was up. Yeah. Deshaun Watson isn't going to play another snap for the Houston Texans. So I, I, if, if I'm the Texans, I don't understand. Why don't you just, just get him out of there for whatever you can get at this point? Because and that's the long- why they can't do it though, because then I, the longer I, you wait, the worse it gets. Does it though? Because yes. look at, look at Cincinnati when, when Carson Palmer went, right. He basically said, I'm not playing for this organization. And they said, they called his bluff. And then when the team, the Raiders finally stepped up and said, Oh, hey, yeah, we'll give you what they end up giving, like a second and two firsts or something for for Palmer. And everybody was just like, this man hasn't played a down this season and you're giving up that much for him? Like, Houston is right. They should call his bluff. I I would not take whatever I could get for him because whatever you can get for him is not going to be anywhere near equal value. I also want to throw out, I'm actually on Deshaun Watson's side. Agreed. You have a superstar quarterback. yeah. You need to be consulted and you need to, the dude asked you to interview two people and you interviewed neither and then hired somebody like you're asking for trouble. If you're going to treat a young guy like this, I'm a hundred percent on his side, but I'm also a hundred percent on the side that if I'm the owner of the Houston Texans, fine, don't play another snap because I couldn't yeah. care less. We're just going to keep finding you for missing games and all yep. that money that we're supposed to be paying you is going right back into our pocket. Yeah, you're killing our salary cap. We were going to lose anyway. If, yeah. if we traded you, we were going to lose anyway. Let's do this, baby. Yeah. Uh, get him out of there. Get him out of there. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I understand the, the concept of, you know, sometimes when you have an employee that just, you know, you got you to gotta move on from them. Yeah, you move on from them. But this is, to me, a very different versus corporate America. Like, this is yeah. the face of your franchise. This is the one that can turn everything around for you, whether it's him being there for you or moving on. Like, you're not going to take less than for that that deal because he's making – his salary this year is pennies. Yeah. Like, another team should easily pay up for that. Easily. Eat that up. Eat that up. Yep. I – I'm just he. If to I'm me, used- the team in the best position to make this trade, and I'm not necessarily saying about the one that has the most draft capital to make the move, but also the right pieces around that they don't have to dive too much into that to keep the team competitive is the Miami Dolphins. Yep, because they can start with Tua. They could potentially trade the third pick if they don't include Tua, or if they do include Tua, include the third overall pick. Then you have all of Houston's other picks, but they still have the defense that they paid for and they'll have draft picks still because they have that many draft picks to then keep infusing youth in this team. Watson can come in and can compete immediately and they still have enough cap space to surround him with the pieces necessary when his salary starts to spike. Yeah, Uh, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Two other teams I'd throw out, but I don't think they have the capital it would take to get him would be Carolina and San Francisco. If either one of them could bring him in, they're they're far better for it. Yeah, because neither of them have top five picks. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Or young quarterback to trade. They just have a bridge quarterback. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the show. I love all these trades where it's like 
would you take Jimmy Garoppolo in the 15th pick? And it's like, they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they might take the 15th pick. Nobody wants Garoppolo. And they're not, that, that's not the big part of that well, deal. Ryan, I'd beg to differ. Half of New England wants Jimmy Garoppolo. So. <laughs> I mean, look, look, listen, listen. The one for those listening on the podcast or the radio, he literally just put a gun to his head. And oh. said, Listen, listen, listen. The one place he was successful was New England with Bill Belichick. I mean, you could argue he's been successful in San Francisco. He did, you know. He threw eight passes in the NFC Championship. That's not successful. I mean, he helped them get to a championship. I mean, Josh, Josh, Josh. Look, I I said helped. I didn't say lead. I said helped. Josh, Josh, Josh. He threw eight passes. (laughs) In the NFC Championship, do you know when do, you got a strong enough run game, you don't have to. Do, do you do you understand that everybody currently sitting here could turn around and hand the ball off and lead their team to a Super Bowl like Jimmy Garoppolo did? Because we wouldn't even need to have completed any of those eight passes. We just had to know, and see. Them. Here's the funny part to me because the Packers, we knew in 2019 they didn't have a good run defense. They did so much to improve that in 2020, right? Weren't they? Some teams just never learn. You know? backs, yeah. Some teams yeah. just never learn. Some so. teams never learn. Remember when Aaron Rodgers had three chances to drive down and went three and out against the Bucs, but the but yeah. the refs blew the game for them? Mm. God. The the tears of Packers fans. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> okay. Uh let's talk Brandon Staley, because I do like after Salah, I like Staley a lot. Um, I it's in the back of my head. I still think it's just another dumbass Sean McVay hire. Like, what what is what is Zach Taylor? See, done? I don't think it is though, because I, you're I don't, talking I don't about think it these is dumbass McVay hires. They were all offensive guys, and that's what yeah. I'm, and that's why that's why I you know I'm contradicting. It's like he was under McVay, but he's also a defensive guy, and that defense was really good. Um, so. I and I think the issue with the Chargers far and away is their defense. Yeah. They can't close out games. Um, and you the offense has some to do with that as well. The offense sometimes can't score in the fourth quarter, but it's it, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the time they have a lead going into the fourth quarter and their defense blows chunks and, and screws it up for them. So I think maybe a guy like Brandon Staley can really shore that up. But on the offensive side, you know, how do we feel about Herbert, Eckler, Allen, take your pick. I mean, does this help Mike Williams? Please, God, let it help Mike Williams. Um, but and also, I mean, do they re-sign Hunter Henry? Because he's the big he's the big name tight end out here. Do we expect Hunter Henry back in the powder blue, or is he playing in another uh, another uniform this year? I so they brought in Joe Lombardi from New Orleans, and I love every bit of this because Staley's gonna be able to run the defense. And if you compare piece to piece. If you have Keenan Allen playing a Michael Thomas role and Austin Eckler playing an Alvin Kamara role, I love every bit of what this does for the offense. So I think this is great for everyone. And I do think they bring Hunter Henry back because I think Lombardi recognizes the importance of a tight end in his offense. I agree. I think everyone's calling Hunter Henry. I mean, you look at the other tight ends and we'll talk tight ends with fantasy Mike from ball blast on March 10th, which I believe is the last Wednesday before free agency. Correct. Um, so, I mean, you're looking at guys like your tight ends on the market, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Robert Tunyon are probably your big three. T- 
Tanyan's a restricted free agent, though. I think most people, if Rodgers ends up back in Green Bay, I think most people expect Tanyan to be back in Green Bay as well. Uh, Jonu Smith, I don't think anybody thinks he's leaving Tennessee, but we'll see. Um, the other guys are Jordan Reed, past age 30, Dan Arnold, eh, and then Gerald Everett, who is strictly a receiver. So if a team wants to go out and get a second tight end to be a receiver, sure. But Hunter Henry is far and away your big name on the market here. Um, so, I mean, if the Chargers really wanted to, they could go out and you know maybe sign Gerald Everett if they're just going to do a receiving tight end. But I, I also expect them to bring back Hunter Henry unless – Unless Henry gets a, you know, a wild offer from another team, I think the Chargers probably offer him, I don't know, three years, thirty million. That's ten million a year. Does that seem unreasonable? I don't think they bring back Hunter Henry, and I think okay. a lot of it. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to be that um, Lombardi knows how to work tight ends into the offense, but to pay Hunter Henry eight, nine, ten, eleven million a year. That's featuring him in the offense. Sure. And they're not going to do that. You ha- you brought in Donald Parham, um, who, you know, got a little bit of run towards the end of the season. Uh, they could easily spend a third or fourth round pick on a tight end as well. You mentioned Gerald Everett, who's going to cost pennies. pennies. Con- yeah, con- compared to Hunter I mean, Henry. hey, if you... If you, if you want to go even cheaper, I mean, Dan Arnold's going to be way cheaper. And I think yeah, Dan exactly. Arnold and, and that's Gerald another Everett guy that you can split out thing. wide, you can get creative with. Um, you know, I don't think you necessarily need a blocking tight end there. You know, they they still have Virgil Green if if he's not a free agent. Um, and he gets plenty of run on the on the interior. So, you know, paying Hunter Henry what they'll need to pay him, I don't think makes a ton of sense. I I, I think it would be great for Herbert's development if they want to keep getting him involved. Um, which again, they they could very well decide to do, but I could also see a team like Indianapolis make a run at him. Like they keep trying to bring back Jack Doyle and and they, you know, Trey Burton, who, you know, is free agent now, like they could use that, that guy. And, and if they end up making a trade for Carson Wentz, who seemingly wants to be in Indy, apparently we know how Carson Wentz uses tight ends. Frank Reich yeah. was the offensive coordinator in uh, with the chargers when Hunter Henry was drafted, knows him very well. There's those connections there. It makes a ton of sense. I'm not saying it necessarily will happen, I don't know that Chris Ballard wants to pay that kind of money for a tight end, but if he can make the offense better, which we've seen that Frank Reich will utilize the tight end position, I think it makes a ton of sense because he can be a centerpiece of that offense where he's not going to be in LA with the chargers because of Keenan Allen and because of Austin. Eckler. My counter argument to that would be after seeing what they were without Jimmy Graham, they went out and gave Jared cook two years at 15 million. But even Hunter he Henry. wasn't like uh, more so than anything. Cheap. He was a red zone guy. That was it. Yeah. But what we're saying, Hunter you just said six foot eight, but you said 10 million for Hunter Henry. They gave seven and a half to Jared cook. I'll pay the Hunter two Henry and a half was on the franchise get. tag for, I think a little over eight this past year. That, this all, would you give him a raise that, after this past year? If he's, if he's going to be a part of my offense. Yes. And, you need a touchdown. I mean, are score. you paying $10 million though for 650 yards and four touchdowns? I'm not. I don't know what the average tight end salary in the NFL is right now. I mean, Austin Hooper like basically set the market out before Kelsey's extension at 11 million per I, year. I, I will, I will look it up right now. 
Like, I, that's the thing. Like, you know, I understand, like, free agency, like, you're going to get paid more because that's just what happens. Teams get desperate. But if you if you really wanted Hunter Henry long-term, you would have locked him up before the franchise tag. Because now you're going to have to pay him more than what he was making on the franchise tag. Yeah, and for yeah, me, but, he's not worth that because he doesn't have the upside that Josh, he's got that some of these other guys have. Josh, tie to, uh GMs are stupid. You got to remember well, that. Well, again, I, I'm aware of that, but... Telesco's typically made better signings than most GMs. Let's put it that way. Sure. No, yeah, no, I I, I can agree with that. Um, looking at, tw- I'm going to go back to the 2020 season. Looking at 2020, your top five tight ends were George Kittle, and these are AAV. George Kittle and at he 15. he just signed that deal. Yeah, he got Yeah, he just signed that deal. George Kittle at 15. Travis Kelsey at just over 14. Hunter Henry at 10.6. Okay, so Austin, the franchise tag was a little higher. Okay. Yep. Austin Hooper at 10.5 and Kyle Rudolph, Rob Gronkowski tied at nine. So uh, technically, if you're paying him $10 million, you're giving him a pay cut. Um, just technically. But so I, do we I, I like really it. think he's going to command more than Hooper on a year with a salary? He's a free agent I, and I'm, teams I'm need sorry. tight ends. I'm, I'm sorry. Austin Hooper's not that good. I'm okay. <laughs> that's fine. But. And, but they're not in the same free agent class. And after the season Henry just had versus the season Hooper had, Hooper looked like a fantastic tight end after 2019. Yeah, I, you, you, you have a point is a guy who capitalized on a good year and, and was able to, you know, get, get a contract off of that. So you're looking at Hunter Henry, 60 catches, 613 yards, four touchdowns. He played in 14 games, so he did miss two games. And if you're looking at Austin Hooper before he signed his contract with the Cleveland Browns, uh, his last year with Atlanta, he had 75 catches, 787 yards, six touchdowns in 14 games. Yeah, Henry in, was 12th yeah. among tight ends in receiving yards. Uh, I'm just like uh, that I, doesn't scream 11 million dollar tight end to me at all. I agree. Right? So but I, if you're going to use him in your offense, though, because he's never been one, two, he probably not even been third in that offense. It's gone. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and you could argue, you know, some games it's Mike Williams. But I mean, Melvin, when Melvin Gordon was there, it was one, two, three. Henry was an afterthought in that offense. So to Ryan's point, if you're going to use Hunter Henry in your offense, you pay him $10 million a year. I don't even know that he's going to command 10 million a year. Yes, exactly. That's my big thing. I, I think that's where our debate is here is do we really think he's going after Austin Hooper money? And I don't think anyone's going to throw Austin Hooper money. Even the, why Colts, wouldn't his think- agents command that kind of money? Like look at Henry's career versus Hooper's. I mean, outside of Henry missing the one year, they're pretty comparable. So I think what you, what, what teams may do and again, because the salary cap, got killed this year is they will say if they want to give him 10 million a year, right? AAV they say, Hey, we'll give you eight this year, nine, the next year, year and then, and then we'll up it, you know, on the final two years of your contract, something like that. If they signed before year deal, but I I just, again, to me, three years, 30 million just doesn't seem out of the question for him. Um, And that's just, uh, is he worth it? No. Is any player worth their contract? No, almost, almost, Almost never, because um, you, you, fucking Jared Goff is making thirty-five million dollars a year. Did, what? Like, are we serious here? Um, 
So again, the think things like that. And something something we didn't um uh touch on here, and I know because well, Sean McVay wasn't a new hire, but let's quickly talk about it because we're talking about, you know, how these new coaching hires are going to help hurt fantasy players. But just looking at the former team that Brandon Staley used to be the defensive coordinator for, Matt Stafford, let's just talk about the trade implications there. All of us here agree that the Rams got trade raped. That was not even a question. They got absolutely boned in that trade. Um, They have not had a first-round pick under Sean McVay. They have not drafted in the first round under Sean McVay. Their first round picks have been Brandon Cooks, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford. They have zero. Super they did Bowl trade out once. And I, and I think really the biggest reason that they traded out actually on draft day was because of the cap and they couldn't afford to actually pay a first round pick. Oh, it's weird. Maybe because you give a guy like Jared Goff, $35 million. <laughs> no, that was before they paid him. <laughs> That was back when they they'd like just extended 30. Donald. They had extended Gurley. They brought in Cooks. Like, yeah. L- last year, Jared Goff, Jalen Ramsey, and Aaron Donald accounted for over fifty percent of yeah. their team's salary cap. Yeah, Kansas City is going to be in a similar situation here in the next couple of years when with Hill and Kelsey and Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes. Because normally when you pay a quarterback $45 million a year, you don't have the money to surround him with Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. Um, Yeah, they're maximizing Mahomes' window before those big yearly salaries kick in. Yes, yes, very much so. Okay, so I'm just going to go through this quick. Matt Stafford, um, does this better, does this, uh, I would just say, is it good or bad? Just tell me good or bad. Is it good or bad for uh, Robert Woods, Ryan? Good. Very good. Very good. That's an easy one. How about uh, Van Jefferson, Josh Reynolds? We'll rope them into one because we don't really know who's going to be the t- the third wide receiver there. So, you know, pick your poison. How does that help them? Ryan? I, I don't think they're going to be utilized enough. So okay. I, I don't say- think they're going to be utilized at all because they're going to bring in Marvin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not bad. Um, or, or if they want to pay big money, uh, they can't. Never mind. I say Kenny Galladay. But <laughs> so... Um, then Cooper Cup. How does that help Cooper Cup? Ryan. You have a you have a quarterback great at throwing touchdown passes with a wide receiver great at catching touchdown passes. I'm, I'm I think it's great for Cooper Cup. Yeah, I think it's good for Cup too. We saw how much um, how much trust Stafford had in Danny Amendola, and exactly. I, I I think that Cup is far better than Danny Amendola, especially out of the slot. I mean, at, at this point in his career, yes. Um, at any point in Amendola's career, yes. Yeah, Amendola is pretty clutch. I gotta gotta give him that, but uh, you made me lose my trade. Oh, Tyler Higby, big question. How does that help Tyler Higby, Ryan? Again, I love it. Um, not only the Tyler Higby, but Gerald Everett leaving. Um, I think you're gonna see Higby used more as a, a wide receiver still. Uh, okay. You'll see Johnny Mutt used as a blocker, and I think Stafford's gonna be able to take full advantage. Josh, Higby sucks. He will not be used. The only reason that TJ Hawkinson had the year that he had was because Kenny Holiday missed half the year. Okay. So now flip it to the other side with Jared Goff in Detroit. How does that help? <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> you can only say two names for Detroit because nobody else has a contract. Right. So, so how does it help DeAndre Swift? It's big great. Time. How does it help yeah. TJ Hawkinson? It's terrible, but he's going to see yeah. 160 passes. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, oh, I like Jared Cephas Goff. is a dart throw. If that helps. <laughs> 
No, he, he's not. Not with golf. No. He's not. <laughs> I said a dart throw because he's going to be a 15th, Josh, 16th round pick. Josh, so. Josh, remember, remember when I said <laughs> it's like trying to hit a bullseye blindfolded a hundred yards away. That's Jared Goff and Quintez Cephas. Yep. I just I think Detroit is going to struggle so mightily to get a wide receiver to sign there is going to be the oh, problem. Yeah, Goff's reputation is just in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You have this coach that literally sounds like a psychopath, and I just don't know that that's going to play well for wide receivers. It's going to play well. They're going to be able to stack their defense. They're going to get offensive linemen because they love that psychopath shit. A wide receiver is going to be like, nah, bro. Madonna's, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, wait, you're coming from my kneecaps? Fuck you, yeah, homie. Exactly. <laughs> so... So, so there, there's your Lions analysis with Dan Campbell. Um, we'll just go, quick, quickly go over Arthur Smith here. Um, offensive coordinator, so, you know, it should bode well for Matt yeah. Ryan, Julio Jones. I don't, I don't think that's going to, you know, And I don't see them way. being traded. I remember all those rumors starting, and they're still kind of bubbling. Yeah. I don't think Arthur Smith's going to – I don't want to say allow that because he doesn't have that kind of pool, but I don't think he's going to allow that. I don't think you sign with this team knowing you're getting ready to move two of my best three pieces. So. Yeah. Yep. So I, yeah, no, nothing really is going to change. It's probably – if anything, it's only probably going to get better. Well, yeah, I, was say, the I, one I thing, like the Arthur Smith hire for the Atlanta offense personally. Yeah, I, I like it Matt for Ryan fantasy football. 10 straight 4,000-yard seasons. Ryan Tannehill had a career year last year and only yeah. 3,800. His TD percentage was extremely high for him, a career high at 6.9%, and had, what, 65.5 completion percentage? Matt Ryan's career completion percentage is 65.4, I believe. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. So is- this is really going to help Arthur Smith in terms of calling plays, but they need a running game. The last two Thank years, you. they have been second and third, respectively, in rush offense Tennessee has. We've already said we'll get to my big prediction later, but you've seen him run through the playoffs this year. And that's who I think lands in Atlanta. this year. That's all over my notes too. I didn't go look at your prediction yet, but I don't even need to go any further because I know we're talking about the same thing. (laughs) I know Atlanta's got some cap problems, but I think they'll find a way to get through it and uh, they'll they'll get creative where they need to. But Arthur Smith is going to want a running game, plain and simple. Yep. And or, with the offensive line issues that Atlanta has had, like they spent two first round picks, I think it was two or three years ago on offensive linemen and they just keep getting hurt. Like they need to fix those issues. But again, like Arthur Smith wants to run the football. That's pretty evident based on what we've seen in Tennessee the last couple of years. So they'll pay for a running back. I don't think they'll draft one. I I think it's a great head coaching signing for fantasy football players. It is a terrible head coaching signing for actual football they're, they're gonna. I mean, they you said it. I mean, Matt Ryan should have a should have a great year. Julio Jones again, barring his health, should have a great year. Calvin Ridley. I don't think we expect any of that to fall off. Um, I just I don't know how that helps their defense. Like, are they if they're keeping Raheem Morris at DC? Well, maybe, I mean, anytime you hire an offensive coach, it's not going to help their defense. It's all in who they bring in to be the defensive coordinator. If you bring in a head coach that's willing to commit to the run and it works, exactly. that helps your defense definitely. Again, Point I'm if getting you have a, they if will you have bring a quarterback, running back. <laughs> yep, if you have a quarterback who's going to be completing 70% of his passes while not throwing 650 passes in the season, all of this should benefit your your defense. But I agree with you, Joe. I They need to hire some new trainers so that people on this team don't get hurt. I'd, I'd love to see Keanu Neal play an entire football season once and know how he actually is. Yeah. yeah. Good, good luck with that one, Ryan. I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and we'll we'll talk running backs with someone's got to tell me her last name. Kate. Kate Majuk. Majuk. Yeah, I'm never gonna get that from that. Kate Majuk of Ball Blast. We'll have her on February 24th, so two weeks from today. She's gonna talk uh, free agent running backs with us. But uh, on to the second to last guy, Nick Sarani. Josh, I'll kind of let you take the reins here because this is obviously uh, your team, but it just no not a single team had him on their radar. He just came out of nowhere. That's it. They wanted a puppet. That's the same thing when they brought in Peterson. The difference was is that Peterson won them a Super Bowl, so he felt that he should have more say. Howie Roseman wants to run this ship. He has no idea anything about football. He's a freaking math lead. He's a spreadsheet king. Like that's what he does. He runs a cap, and our cap is terrible as a result of that. So, but for whatever reason, he has Jeffrey Lurie's ear, and Lurie trusts him, and they're just it is what it is. I I, I don't. I don't want to say that Sirianni can't succeed because I didn't have high hopes for Peterson either. And I know a lot of people bagged that, that signing and thought that he was blah at best. He was just a, you know, a guy that helped Andy Reid out. He didn't call any plays, et cetera. Well, you've got kind of the same situation here with Sirianni. He's from, you know, Frank Reich, you know, he's been the offensive coordinator in, in uh, Indianapolis the last three years. He's worked with Anthony Lynn. He's worked with Todd Haley. He's uh, Sirianni's worked with some, big name offensive player or offensive coordinator, excuse me, and head coaches in the league. So he's got a lot to pull from in terms of creating an offense and whatever is going to lead this team going forward. But our cap is in a, it's hell. Like they're going to have to strip this team down. They're going to lose a lot of veterans. And by losing a lot of veterans, you lose a lot of locker room leaders. So his leadership is going to be tested. And I, when you look at, him just in terms of his age and what he's accomplished or lack thereof so far in his career. I don't know that everybody's going to buy into that, you know? So I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the Eagles. And I, obviously the quarterback is the big issue because is Carson going? Is he staying? If he stays, I think it's, it's going to make Sirianni's job even harder because then he's ultimately going to have to make a choice between the two. And I really don't know who the front office wants if they're leaning one way or the other. Um, but Roseman created this mess by spending a second round pick on Jalen Hurts. So he's got nobody to blame but himself. So just looking at the um the the cap space, this is just for the top fifty-one players. Oh, they're like on- when they roll over the twenty-two million that they had from this year, I think they're still over like almost sixty million. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. So it's just a top 51. They have 64 players currently signed. Uh, and again, a lot of those guys, you know, outside of top 51, they're low end guys. They're not really going to do much for your cap. And obviously some of them, uh, most of them are going to get cut. Um, they are $41 million over the cap. Wow. They are a little better. second. They're second to the new Orleans saints who are 70 million over the cap. So Does that, does that count the huge drop they just got from Breeze? Do you know? I, I, this, so this, I think it does because they were 90 plus million okay. before. Yeah, yeah, this, right then. yeah, this, this updates. Uh, I think it's, it's spot track. It, it updates, I think, okay. every day. Um, so it's the same. I mean, if you, I'm sorry, if you are a Rams, Eagles, or Saints fan, I mean, you could even rope in the Falcons, Packers, all those teams are above, or they're over 20 million yeah. over the yeah. cap. I don't think the Rams, you, Josh, you kind of joked about this. I don't think they'll be able to bring in Marvin Jones. So, Marvin like, Jones will take a lot less. He's not going to get paid. But I mean, they're going to have to cut people to sign people. Oh, no, Josh, absolutely. Will. 
Josh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey account for 40% of their cap space oh, I know. at this point. Hey, so one thing like, I wanted to throw in on Sirianni, though, that has me very worried about this in general, is if you go back and look at his history, when he was with Haley and KC, they had Matt Castle at quarterback. When he was with the Chargers, they had Phillip Rivers at quarterback. And then he's been dealing, look at his one season with a mobile quarterback. And I understand Hertz should be better than Jacoby Brissett, but that was a putrid season in Indianapolis where Brissett was the quarterback, just inefficient and terrible for fantasy. If, if Hertz is the quarterback, you said it might be worse if Wentz is there. I would prefer if Wentz was the starter in this offense, just because it's going to play into what Sirianni's strong with. If it's Hertz, I'm desperately worried about this offense and probably will be avoiding every Eagle not named Miles Sanders in the draft. Here, here's a here's a fun thing for you, though, Ryan. When you talk about Brissett as the, the uh, quarterback with the Colts, their rushing offense in Indianapolis with Sirianni as the offensive coordinator was actually better under Brissett. There you go. And that makes perfect year. sense. Yep. So that, yeah. that helps Miles Sanders. So that, yeah. that's obviously a big boom for uh, Sanders. And know. it's probably great for Hertz. And Hertz, yeah. Man, I mean, Matthew Barrett has been tweeting about catchers. it. He's like, Hertz is going to be a top 10 quarterback for me if, if they move on from Wentz. Like, I mean, you, you look at, you know, look at what really the graphic that he was putting up was comparing uh, Hertz's first four starts versus uh, Lamar Jackson's last four starts of 2018. And I'm like, I feel like that's trying to compare apples to oranges. Like, not every running quarterback that struggles passing the football is the same. Like, some of them improve, some of them don't. I think Hertz has the ability to improve, much like we saw uh, Jackson take a leap in 2019, but we also saw him regress in 2020. Yeah. So if Sirianni is, is this like QB whisperer that, you know, some people like to think that he might be, but I mean, you know, he got handed Philip Rivers last year. Like Rivers has been doing this a long time. Like, and he worked with doing, Rivers so. before. Yeah, exactly. He worked There's with Rivers before with that, Anthony yeah. Lynn. So, you know, Remember, he hasn't worked with Wentz. He hasn't worked with, Jalen Hurt, so I don't know that he's going to help them get better. Um, Remember when Adam Gase was the quarterback whisperer? Because same, yeah, right, exactly. Because he, you know, worked one season with Peyton Manning or two seasons or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, this what, isn't one season that, with the, with a top five quarterback of all time, and everyone's like, yeah, "Oh, exactly. good for you." Yeah, because it's Peyton Manning. It's, it's like Byron Leftwich works one year with Tom Brady and takes him to the Super Bowl. Byron Leftwich should not be getting head coaching offers. Like I, and I'm not, I'm not saying Byron Leftwich is a bad OC. I'm just saying Byron Leftwich is not a quarterback whisperer. It, it's because Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are two of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And I'll give uh, you most of that, but wasn't Leftwich there with uh, Leftwich was there with last Winston. year? Yeah, yeah, he Out, was. Outside of the interceptions, that was a hell of a nope. season by Winston listen, as well. Listen, <laughs> Le, Le, Leftwich has done a pretty solid job, but again. Left with much of that is Arians, though, and, and that's the thing with, with some of these offensive coordinators that if are you behind let Arians coaches. Tell it, it's not the <laughs> well, but I mean, like, I just this is a, this is a Bruce Arians offense, like, yeah. we all know that, and it's Running kind of gun, the same baby. thing with Biennemi in, in Kansas City, it was the same thing with Peterson in Kansas City, like Matt Nagy in Kansas City. Like, how much of this is just Andy Reid's offense that you guys are just taking credit for? Because Matt Nagy hasn't really looked apart. Doug Peterson's play calling the last three years has been dog shit. Well, until they get the chance, you don't know though. Because yeah, I mean, no, I, you look I agree. Because they that's... said the same thing about Andy Reid coming out of Holmgren and Gruden coming out of Holmgren, and it's just there's a lot that plays well, into all of that. that. That's that's one of the reasons. I I'm sorry. I, I everyone up Eric Bieniemy's ass that he should be getting a head coaching job. 
I, I'm so like, I I think there's it's more definitely to hard it. to justify it after watching that Super Bowl. I w- I will agree. Uh, I, yeah, and if if you're talking about this offensive genius and he and he deserves the world for what he's done, his offense, who people have who people have dubbed Patrick Mahomes the greatest of all time already. He's been in the league five fucking years. Um, Four. How did it look? How did it look? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop you right here because this is getting to be a ridiculous <laughs> argument. How did, are we saying that Bill Belichick is no longer an offensive genius because the offense was dog shit this year? Bill, Bill Belichick was never an offensive genius. He was a defensive genius. But Always. okay. Always has been a defensive genius. But I'm just saying, like, we're talking about one bad game out of the enemy after a season of highlight reel work. Sure. And now I we mean, just want to say he's not good. I mean, how, how about that three, four week stretch where every single game was a one touchdown game and the offense wasn't producing as well as it traditionally does every one of the games. Oh yeah. Cause they were playing the Atlanta Falcons in one of them who chokes it away. I, they're not playing good teams. Like th- that's the thing is they're going to win their games because they're not playing good teams. And I'm sorry, there's a reason the enemy is not getting hired. There has to be a reason. Like th- there well, has if, to be a reason. I mean, we've had Tommy Garrett on. If you listen to him, it's because he doesn't interview well, which, hey, you know, I, I get that. I'm not a very strong interviewer, and, I, look, but I'm and, damn good at what I do. So, yeah. And, and that's that's something where sometimes people suck at interviewing and they're great at their job. But if you're looking for a head coach to command the room and he can't command you as a GM and you as an owner, how's he going to command a room of 53 guys ready to go out and play a football game? And it looks like Freddie Kitchens. He looked great as an offensive coordinator calling plays for the Browns that one year with Mayfield. He got some of the best plays out of Mayfield up at, up until that point in his career. How do you look as a head coach? He was dog shit because he doesn't know how to command a room. Eric Bieniemy may be that guy. Josh McDaniels, one of the best offensive coordinators of the last 10 years, is a shitty head coach because he can't command a room and he can't do anything outside of offense. Well, and that's sorry, kind of the thing but, too is sometimes you don't really know how they're until, going to react to that until you give I, them that opportunity. And that's the thing. Yeah. And too, I'm sorry if I'm Eric Bieniemy. why the fuck would I want to leave Kansas City? You're lined yeah. up for probably five Super Bowl rings. And maybe that's what this all comes down to is yeah. everyone's saying he doesn't interview well. Maybe and I understand. To. I was going to say, <laughs> like, I understand I media interviews. <laughs> I say, I understand media interviews and job interviews are something different, but friend of the show, John Helmkamp actually got to speak with him and said, it was delightful speaking with him. So he even called BS on the not interviewing. Maybe he doesn't want to leave. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's the whole thing where he's interviewing the team and they're not telling him what he wants to hear. So he's like, nah, I'm out of here, bro. Like, yeah, that could very well be it. Maybe, you know, maybe he thinks that, you know, he's the guy that teams need to come to versus him being the guy that needs to go to teams. And maybe there's a thing about it that I, I know this. I don't know Eric Bieniemy as a man. I'm not going to pretend to, but I know he has some red flags in his past. Those things are going to get brought up more if he's a head coach. Absolutely. Right now, he's kind of living on easy street. He doesn't need money. He's a former player. I mean, there's so many things that play into this. Yeah. So. I just and I, I again, I don't know. I don't know how much he's making as an offensive coordinator, but I, I'd imagine he's making a sizable amount of money. I imagine. And again, if, if you're you just like, put, put yourself in Eric B shoes. Cause every, everyone brings up, he's, he's a minority and that's why he's not getting hired. Put yourself in Eric B shoes. If you have the best quarterback in the NFL lined up at your disposal 
to make you look like one of the best offensive coordinators of all time, who's also lined up to put you in the easiest conference, lined up to get to the Super Bowl every single year. And arguably the the easiest division in that conference. Yes, arguably the easiest division in that conference. Yeah. Uh, the, the AFC South would like to have a word just because the Jaguars and Texans both reside yeah, that, there. But that yes. all fell apart very quickly. <laughs> yeah. But it's, hey, it's still, I, I mean, if you're looking at the eight conferences, uh, eight divisions in the NFL, they're probably six, which is still yeah. very, very low. Why? Would I would just think? like to say the NFC East had a below 500 team go to the playoffs. I think they belong last on that list. Yeah. No, and that's, they're eight. The South is pro the AFC South is probably seven and the West AFC West, probably six. But again, you're looking at it. Why would you want to leave? If you're making good money, why would you want to leave? And it also goes to something I've been saying about new England is if anyone knows when Belichick's going to hang them up, it's Belichick and it's McDaniels. If anybody, Andy Reed is not a, a spring chicken. Yeah. And then more family issues pop up for Andy Reed again, this off season, at some point, Andy Reid's going to step away, and if the enemy's like, well, I have Patrick Mahomes locked up for nine more years, and this is likely my job, why the hell would yeah, exactly. I go coach Houston for the next five? Or Let's be clear, if he went to Houston, he'd be there for two years because they're going to fire him, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Oh, he'd but be anyway. there for one year. Come on now. <laughs> so but, so Andy Reid Andy Reed is 62. He'll be 63 on March 19th, so he'll be 63 going into next season. I mean, he's not super old. You got Pete Carroll, 69, Bill Belichick, 68. So there's guys coaching well into their 60s. Carroll's going to be 70 this year. I'm going to venture a guess that Andy Reid may not be as healthy as Pete Carroll nor Bill Belichick. <laughs> I would I would also venture to say that as well. But again, I, I'm, I'm not saying Andy Reid is young, but I'm also not saying that he's up there with guys like Carroll and Bill Belichick. No, not at all. Point. And you also bring up a point that a lot of the family problems that have, have popped up for him. And, you know, maybe he wants to put family first now at this point. And I'm sure the enemy knows why would he leave? Oh, it's just, it's just, if you're at a job, right? Why would you leave a good situation that's paying you probably the exact same amount of money to go take a job with more responsibility? That's going to pay you the same amount of money yeah after no one X- in their right mind would take on more responsibility for the same amount of money even if it's not the same amount after x amount of dollars it's the same amount of money yeah so. and it, it, look the great thing i mean if, if houston were to hire him there is no state sales tax or there is no state tax yeah. uh income tax in texas which you know maybe plays a factor for him but again it out of, he's still getting hundreds of thousands. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't. I can't imagine money plays into any of these for these coaches. They're maybe if you're David Cully, <laughs> you go from some sort of coordinator, special teams coordinator role to head coach. You mean the Ravens wide receiver coach? Yeah, I, um, I imagine his pay jump was extensive. And and that's and that's what we're going to end the show here is is David Cully and Josh. I I know your take on this, and I I, I what you're going to say is what I think it is. I agree with you. Uh, he's the former Ravens wide receiver head coach, uh, wide receivers coach. You know the prolific um, Ravens wide receiving core. Prolific wide receivers. <laughs> also also part of the uh, passing game coordination. Sweet. Um, so he's been obviously the the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have done wonders through the air. Um, during his time there. And the receivers have been obviously like pro pro bowl caliber receivers every year. David Culley's been there. 
Josh, your thoughts on on Mr. Cully and the Houston Texans signing? This is a scapegoat hire. Yep. That's exactly oh, what yeah. this is. The, the, yeah. Nobody wanted this job because they're outside of Deshaun Watson, there are no attractive pieces. And it, being a Brandon Cooks fan, I'm not saying that lightly because I do like Brandon Cooks. I mean, there are very few wide receivers that can go through what he's gone through. I think he's been on, what, four teams in five years and has 4,000-yard seasons? Yeah, it's, like, there's a big difference. Happen often, like yeah, I think Cooks Brandon is Cooks great is very player, underrated. Yeah, but he's not the kind of guy a coach is like. No, 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 absolutely to. not. No, absolutely no. I'm not. saying you're, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's Deshaun Watson. Like he is the piece on this team that everybody wants because there really isn't anybody else outside of JJ Watt. And I think his timing in Houston is is nigh. Uh, but nobody wants this job. They they're in absolute hell in terms of draft picks because they have none. So they don't have any until next year. So you decide to bring in a guy because Deshaun Watson wanted you to interview Eric Bieniemy, who happens to be black. And I, look, I'm not trying to throw a race at the at at the wall here, but I feel like that's what this is. You hired a black coach to appease your black quarterback from an owner who is very suspect, kind of racist. I'm not yeah, even gonna lie. I say who is notoriously racist. Yeah. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I, I just I don't like being accusatory without actually knowing somebody. That that's just my personal feeling. If somebody else wants to say it, that's fine. But it, like it takes a lot. Being a Miami fan, it takes a lot for someone like Andre Johnson to yeah. speak up. This is a guy that went through his entire career and kept his damn mouth shut. The only time that you ever saw him overreact was when Cortland Finnegan got in his face. Yep. And now he's come out and said, this is what happens when you have Jack at Easter Bay or whatever his his last name is in your front office. When Andre Johnson speaks, you listen. And Johnson came out and said this. Deshaun Watson is not playing another down for Houston. Cal McNair is running this team into the absolute ground. When I mean, more than what is it, eighty percent of the NFL is is African American, if I'm not mistaken, some crazy number like that. Yeah. And let me rephrase that: not crazy number, but it's just this is what you are. You need players. You need, excuse me, coaches, executives that understand this. They do not understand this in Houston at all. The simple fact that he asked them to interview two GMs and you didn't interview him is a spit in his face. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of brought up Andre Johnson, but let's not forget, you literally chose Bill O'Brien, who you then fired a month later. Not a true month, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You chose Bill O'Brien over DeAndre Hopkins. That's That tells me all I need to know about your racist ass, and I know yeah. you don't want to throw it out there. It, there's a lot that goes into it because there was the whole thing about, what was it, something about his baby mamas at practice or some bullshit that got said, how do you not fire Bill O'Brien the second that gets brought up? Like the second, you know, like, sorry, Deandre, this dumb shit is gone. You're our guy. Like imagine this thing is NFL teams bleed money. Like he does. He could have a losing franchise for 20 years and and still make money and still make money. So hold on is so Steve McNair is the GM, correct? Cal McNair. Cal McNair. Calmanger is the owner and GM. No, they hired no, um, Serrano or something. Nick Serrano or oh, something yeah, Nick Serrano, from yeah. New England. Oh, Nick Casario. Nick Casario. Casario there you go. Something. Like um, that. Okay, but uh, I mean, you, I I thought I thought he was playing GM and owner, but you, I mean, 
the well, essentially example. he was though because he was the GM before they had one when Deshaun Watson said can you please interview these two guys at GM here's my small two guy list and they're like nah fuck you <laughs> Nick Casario yeah. look Casario's not bad but I mean if no, you're but if you your franchise quarterback him. asks you exactly. you like just you interview him like yeah. appease him. It, it to me, it's not that difficult. And how hard is it just to interview and be like, "Sorry, bro, they suck compared to this Casario yeah. dude." Wait till you meet him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's not even, hard. And they didn't like, even involve him in the Casario. <laughs> like, yeah. How? And my other issue with Cully, and again, it, it's not necess- it, it's not with Cully himself. I mean, but when you have a guy that's sixty five years old that is just now getting his opportunity to be a head coach, that's a to me that's a red flag. Like if you had head coaching potential, you had it when you were 45 or even 50. And again, to me, this just feels like when Arizona hired Steve Wilkes, they brought him in for a year because they just needed somebody to hire and they wiped the floor with them. They said, you're gone. We've got the number one pick and we're just going to go and get our guy. That's what's going to happen. I would not, I would put money on the fact that Cully is going to get fired after this year when Houston has the number one overall pick, their own number one overall pick, mind you, yep. and they can restart their franchise. Yep. That's what I think is going to happen. And and it's sad to say, like, I, I respect Cully. I, he's getting the opportunity that I know that he's probably wanted all these years. But this is going to end very badly for him, and it's not even going to be his fault. It sucks. Yeah, it's, yep. he's he's only in a situation to fail, and that is yeah. not, it's not any fault of his own. He is set up to fail. And I think in the back of his mind, he probably knows that. I mean, obviously he's going into it thinking, okay, you know, let me, let me, let me turn this absolute dumpster fire of a franchise around and let me, you know, make a name for myself. And I'm sure that's, and I'm not saying he can't do what Brian Flores did. And that's what I was going to throw out. I want to throw out one caveat to all of this. If they get Watson to play after dude, just watched an entire offense with Lamar Jackson. Now, in my opinion, you get a better version of Lamar Jackson. This could be a good offense with a happy Deshaun Watson. It's not going to happen, but it could be a good offense. And I will backtrack most of what I'm saying. I'm still not saying Cully's a good coach or the right hire or any of that. But if this is Watson, this could be a decent team. If it's not Watson, I will not draft a single Houston Texan this year. Yep. Nope. Off, off the Texans train. The, the, the Texans are a full stay away if Deshaun Watson from every aspect. I, every I aspect. honestly think they will have the number one pick next year. I really yeah, do. I don't think they'll win a game. They, well, they definitely won't win a game if, if Deshaun Watson's not there. Yeah. Unless they get. Uh, Although, and I'm going to throw this out as just like a, you know, a one off because I, I don't really want to get into it next week. I could totally see Robert Griffin III going to Houston. Why not? Texas, home state, played at Baylor. Cully. Played with Cully. Yep. I mean, it, especially if Watson balks, why not? Yeah. Why not? To be honest, I mean, that's, not, that's not the worst decision because if Griffin could stay healthy, which is unlikely as well, but if he could, that's the transition quarterback you want for this season because you need someone who can move, and there are very little guys in the NFL right now who can move like him. Yeah. You, you need someone who can move and also get you to 0-16, and I think Robert Griffin III is the perfect candidate. <laughs> you are think, not wrong. I think RG3 is the prime candidate there. And look, he had a promising career, right? And then his ACL decided to just go poof. 
and yeah. and that's you know that's the end of robert griffin the third yep um but yeah you're right you know B- baylor kid um that's actually baylor's, a good call I haven't put that one together yep baylor's baylor's three hours two and a half hours up the road um so i think I think you know that that's that's not a bad idea if they want. That's to bring a in. public relations move. That's exactly one hundred percent. Oh, you you oh you're you're telling me the Texans aren't going to do all PR moves this year? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me they're not going to do all PR moves this year? As somebody who works in sports marketing, Joe, I think you know that one. <laughs> I hate PR. Oh God. Oh, it is so. Bo- it's it. Listen, some PR you get to work with players, which is which is fun, right? A lot of all, all P, you never get props in PR. You only get yelled at because you're the one that has to do all these bitch at you're like, doing all damage these dumbass, yep. you know, these dumbass statements. You're doing damage control. Like PR never gets to have any fun. You're just, oh, our 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 player punched a female. Great. Now we gotta put out a damn statement. And then the week after. Um, and it's all in how you word it too. <laughs> and you can never word it right. You never, you, if you work in PR, you will never ever get a statement, right? But no. did, you were talking about PR, the Houston Astros fucking botched their PR yeah. with Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman after that debacle that they had with the trash cans. Um, I mean, no PR is ever good. Never. Never. Anytime you hear from a PR person, it's never good. It's always bad. It is always covering up or damage control for something. Mm-hmm. Mm, yep. God. Yeah. That's why I chose. That's why I chose the marketing and design side. <laughs> Screw PR. Oh, listen. I props to you people in PR that don't that are up till one a.m. drafting these statements. And I mean, it's, I'm sure like at this point, you probably just Google best best statement for, you know. Domestic, domestic abuse. abuse. <laughs> it's like this, this, there's gotta be a Google template that you guys just share around in the NFL at this point. Oh my God. That's terrible. It's not terrible. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, no, just it's true. terrible to think that that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the amount that it happens, like it's not, I mean, obviously it's a terrible thing, but with the amount that it happens it this, but you're just like, Oh, props to you pr people props to you yeah hats off to you my friends all right uh we've already spoiled a few of the guests but the next week's guest is going to be jason moore of the fantasy footballers yeah 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 you know (laughs) cash super cash jason moore Uh, we already talked about we'll have kate from ball blast on in two weeks eric moody from the athletic in three and fantasy mike rounding out our free agency previews uh from ball blast football that'll actually be his second appearance with us on club fantasy but his first on no pun intended on no pun intended yes because he appeared with uh ryan and uh, ryan and kira on um dfs and chill week 17 dfs and chill all right and then we're going to end this on early 2021 predictions and i i will i'll run through these because we're we're up against the clock here yeah um josh you have the eagles finishing last in the nfc east that's uh i don't know if that's i guess these aren't bold predictions (laughs) they're just early so yeah yeah, that's fair these aren't hot Uh, takes they're just predictions they're just predict okay great uh the steelers (laughs) missed the playoffs and what is big ben's last season that's very fair Leonard Fournette gets paid this offseason, and that's the guy you were teasing. We'll get paid yep. by Atlanta, and Ryan aggressively agrees with that one. Oh, yeah. I think that's great. Yep. And you say they need to create cap space, but Smith is going to prioritize a run game, and I agree with that. Allen Robinson signs a one-year deal with a contender. You say Miami, Baltimore, and Indy 
um, are your top choices. Uh, he will go to Tampa Bay. There's <laughs> there's one of my early 2020 predictions because he tweeted out a ring sounds nice. <laughs> Just saying. Again, that's why I say he's going to sign with a contender and with, with the cap being what it is this year, I think... Another I think he'll ultimately deal. just settle on a one-year he, deal. That's what I think. He He's going to take a discount and play with Tom yeah. Brady. Watch it. Mike Evans I and I think Alan the only Robinson. way that happens is them not being able to re-sign Chris Godwin. Because they, they e- need to bring back their, their defensive players. Mike Evans and Allen Robinson? God, that'd be gross. That'd be a problem. That'd be gross. That'd be disgusting. Uh, Ryan, you have the Chiefs are back to the Super Bowl again. The Browns are in the AFC Championship. Ooh. Tampa Bay falls apart. Well, okay. Uh, Arizona is going to be a problem next season. That's where, did they fire Cliff Kingsbury or is he still <laughs> employed? That's weird. I didn't know that they fired Cliff Kingsbury. Um, second year running backs are going to eat in the tight end. I agree room. wholeheartedly with that one. Yeah, they're going to eat. And the uh, the tight ends will still suck, according to, to Ryan. You are not wrong, um, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I looked at the ship. I looked at the show doc 20 minutes before we got on air because if you didn't know, I was moving this past weekend. Yeah, so you're moving and have like a big job. So, (laughs) yeah, I got a big time job now. Um, So my, I didn't get to type in my early 2021 predictions, but uh, for for the Patriots. Who's going to be your quarterback next year? (laughs) Who is going to be your quarterback next year? I know who is not going to be. (laughs) if, If it is Cam Newton. If it is Cam Newton, I am two stories up. I'm on the second floor. It, I it mean, may... if you jump, you'll just end up in the hospital with a couple. In all seriousness, <laughs> of realistic possibilities, who do you want to be your quarterback next year? Realistic possibility, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the only realistic okay. possibility. That's the... and that you want. Yeah, because I can no, see. No, I don't want that, Ryan. No, that's. I said, who do you want out of realistic possibilities? Who, who do I want out of realistic possibilities? A draft pick. Say, is it a rookie? I mean, who is it? I could uh, see Mac Jones falling in New England. God, oh, someone, I was listening to the Sports Hub, Patriot Sports Radio on the way home. Someone said Mac Jones statistically had a better year than Joe Burrow. He started <laughs> listing off all these advanced analytics bullshits, and yeah. I was screaming in my car that, are you fucking kidding me? We're going to compare... Uh, Joe Burrow in Mac Jones. I was going to say that's literally using statistics to tell whatever story you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck. If statistics Numbers were all we lie. If statistics were, <laughs> if statistics yeah. were all we looked at, Jay Cutler is the best quarterback of all time. Like if that's all we looked at, Jay Cutler is a top ten quarterback of all time. Realistically, I wouldn't hate Jameis Winston. I wouldn't hate Sam Darnold. I would love that again. That's going to be that big trade inner division. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And I would, it's not going to happen, but if the Cowboys don't want Dak Prescott, I'd love Dak Prescott. I I, I cannot, I cannot wait to talk about Dak with Jason next week. I just, it's insane to me that he is still a free agent. It's ridiculous. But I mean, if, if there's a quarterback in the draft, um, the kid at BYU, Zach Wilson, correct? Yeah, I don't think he's going to fall that far, though. I don't think he falls that far either. And then, I mean, you know, r- real dart throw. I don't know where he goes, but Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. I don't know. He he impressed he's me in the back. Peach Bowl. He's coming he's back. He's coming back. 
Okay. Not in the draft this year. Okay. I was gonna say he impressed me in the in the uh, in the Peach Bowl. So I'd be interested to see maybe next year where he falls. If he has another good year at Cincinnati, um, you know, wh- where he falls in the 2022 draft. But we made yeah, a joke I mean, before the show. How would you have felt if Taylor Heinke signed with New England? Oh, I would uh, ecstatic. Are you kidding okay. me? <laughs> I want the old Dominion mathematician on my team. All right. Oh my God. T- Taylor Heinke? I Are bet you, you he could run the cap better than Howie Roseman. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Heinke? Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Did you see Taylor Heinke in the playoffs? Woo. Did you did you see that play? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want Taylor. Here's the thing, right? Does he have all the skill of a starter? No. God, no. He's a does, bridge he, quarterback. does he, he have that. any of the skill of a starter? <laughs> but, but does he work his ass off? In actually has some intangibles that Cam Newton just doesn't have anymore. God, yes. Would Taylor Heineke have taken that team to better than seven and nine? Hell yes, he would have. I'm not saying they would have made the playoffs. I think you're assuming that he would make it through a full 16 game schedule the way that he plays football. I love it. A reckless abandonment. I don't love it. I'm Reckless. just saying I don't think he plays more than 12 games in a full season. Hello. I don't think he can play how he played in that one game in that many games. Like, Well, that's the point that I'm getting well, No, at. I don't even yeah. mean the injury thing. There's tape on him. Defense, there's – I'm yeah. not sold at all. And so so, uh, so my, my final answers would be Winston is probably the easiest one because he's a free agent. Uh, Darnold is harder because it's in division. Um, Cam Newton uh, – I'm sorry, not Cam Newton. Dak Prescott um, – I, I, like Ryan already said, every anyone would love Dak Prescott. Um, Jimmy G also just seems like a realistic op- option. Yeah. yeah I, I don't like it, but it's a realistic option. Another realistic option that I'm on the fence about is Derek Carr. Um, Interesting. I don't I don't hate Derek Carr because Derek Carr has shown flashes that he is an all-pro quarterback, and then the next week he doesn't even look like he should be in the NFL. So I don't really know, but it's going to be a lot of checkdowns, and Derek Carr is Mr. Checkdown himself. So, See, what's funny is he's Mr. Checkdown, but he also throws a very accurate deep ball. I actually have yeah. a landing spot for Derek Carr. We'll talk about it next week, but I, there's a spot I want him to go. All right, there we go. All right, so that is that is it for this week from the three Amigops right here. Next week, Jason Moore with the of the Fantasy Footballers will be joining us. You just again, That's catch. now the second of the three fantasy footballers we've had on this show. Yeah. Andy yeah. Holloway. I'm talking Andy. To you, buddy. Yeah. Stop we'll being to, left uh, out in the cold. We'll we'll have to tell Jason to give uh Hitman a proper suck it from Josh on the <laughs> Higby talk. Hey. They they actually talked a little bit about Tyler Higby on the Truth About Tight Ends episode. Hitman admitted the loss, but interestingly enough, and if we want to give Jason a hard time, Jason, because of all the switches, is turning around and liking Tyler Higby now. So, uh, we, Jason, we can, I, say I think a just, lot of people are liking Tyler Higby just because of what TJ Hawkinson did. And again, ignoring the fact that Hawkinson did what he did because Galladay missed all. And we're clear to talk about Stafford next week, so it'll lead into it naturally. There you go. So we can just fight all of the fantasy footballers on the basis of Tyler Higby. Jason, you fool. <laughs> Um, but i i mean i also i also told hitman that robert woods would be a low-end wide receiver one and he was so yep nailed it hitman (laughs) over two on the no pun intended i 
I hate to burst this balloon. I haven't went back and listened to it yet. I'm pretty sure the debate was whether or not he would be top 10 or not top 10. And I think Hitman actually said he would finish 11 or 12. So. Yeah, because we, we had discussed top five, top, five. Yeah. top 12 or, or wide receiver two. He put the odds at top five very low. Yes, he said it wasn't going I, I to I do happen, remember that, so, yeah. which I think we all agreed on. Uh, we all agreed on that. Yeah. But top twelve, I didn't think was out of the realm of possibility. I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think we're we're throwing. I think Mike was on that bandwagon. He's like, could it happen? Sure. I don't think any footballer has ever disliked Bobby Trees. Oh, they all (laughs) listen, listen, fantasy footballers. If you want a real host, I'm here for you. (laughs) Oh man, throw shade. First of all, you're taking shots at Andy, who hasn't even been on the show yet. Andy, (laughs) Andy, come join us, buddy. No, No, I no, they they are awesome obviously at the at the pinnacle of fantasy football here yes. um so super excited to have jason on with us next week uh and this saturday as well we have club dynasty no psych <laughs> what we don't we don't have club dynasty That's this saturday why it on the show sheet no <laughs> oh i just figured you forgot to add it on there uh no, we no, don't have club no, dynasty yeah push it back uh some circumstances came up we'll announce it later so ah circumstances have arisen you know, kind of like uh, yesterday when we were supposed to drop the speakeasy episode. <laughs> Joe, uh, just, uh, you know, I don't care if I, I never want a sponsorship from this country. CenturyLink is the worst fucking company on the face of this planet. <sighs> Terrible. Wow. They are. I had them shit. when I was in Vegas and that was eight years ago. They were God. Are they internet? Yeah. I don't know who internet. they are. Okay. I say, I, oh, they've never been in any of my areas, so I don't oh know who god. they are. Centri- oh my God. CenturyLink, shove it. I went, I just you know what? Midco, love you. Walked in. There's a hard Canadian accent up here because we are about two hours from the Canadian border. And she's about, I absolutely love it. Nicest woman I've What's ever What's crazy is you almost just sounded like you said about, and now I'm wondering <laughs> if it's already rubbing out on you. No, no. I, I said that on purpose, about. I said, no. I said oh, okay. When you said it leading in, it's still... But I didn't realize oh. you were just peppering it in so well. No, I peppered a boot. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a whole new accent for me to get used to. I absolutely love it. All right. For Josh, Ryan, and myself, you can follow Club Fantasy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Club Fantasy FFL. The URL is clubfantasyffl.com. Next week with Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers previewing quarterbacks in free agency. Is there anything I'm missing, gents? Uh, so we're going to launch the speakeasy tomorrow, right, Joe? Uh, yeah. Yes. We are going to launch Faith and Linda, and there's a big announcement. So please stay to the very end. It's like a Marvel yes. movie; all the good shit happens at the end. <laughs> That's where they get you. They they keep you in your seat for two and a half hours, and they're like, "Oh, the last ten minutes is where we're really going to get into all the fun stuff." But we're not like that. Don't worry. There's plenty of fun throughout the entire episode. Speakeasy episode three going to drop tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. That's on our YouTube page. If you haven't subscribed already, just head over. Um, on our YouTube, where Club Fantasy FFL on there, be sure to hit the subscribe button. You can hit the notification bell as well uh, for every time we go live as well. Always remember, defense wins championships, offense wins fantasy football. We will see you next week with Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers.